0: Hi there, I'm Jen Hale Christie, and you're listening to Preach Her. This podcast is designed around the reality that many of our churches are shrinking because we haven't created a place where everyone can belong. So, if you're seeing that reality in your own church, or you've experienced that and left the church or never even went, this podcast is for you. Welcome. Have you heard about our Patreon community? It is an awesome way to join me and others in this good work, whether you want to support women preachers and make sure that this work continues, or if you want to actually partner with me and have direct input, like you want to have a 30-minute phone call with me every month, or you want to join the sermon prep team, or you want to come and visit my family um, in Portland and help produce an episode, there are opportunities for you to engage at whatever level feels good for you and everyone who's in the community gets access to our monthly letter um, delivered to your inbox at the end of every month. So click the link in the show notes and let me know what you think. We are in season three, which means we are making our way through the book of Acts. I like to call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Today we have a guest preacher, and after the sermon, I encourage you to stick around and hear our conversation about life, ministry, and hope for the church. Let's hear a word.
1: Before I get started, I want to say welcome. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your life today. It's an honor and a blessing. I truly enjoy getting to dive into the Word of God in a way that pulls me outside of my normal day-to-day ministry life, and so thank you for journeying with me. My oldest son, Jack, is eight years old, and he loves presidents. I mean, really loves presidents. He can name all 45 presidents in order. He can tell you that the 45 presidents are actually only 44 men because Grover Cleveland was both the 22nd and the 24th president. He enjoys playing a good game of who's your favorite president and why with every single person he meets. His favorite president is Jimmy Carter, and we have had the opportunity to meet President Carter and hear him speak. But that's definitely a story for another day. Jack has a true passion for this subject, and that means we talk about presidents a lot. In fact, he's been known to wake me up at 5 a.m. in the morning to proclaim his latest thoughts on Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I love this about him. Well, maybe not quite as much at 5 a.m., but I do love this unwavering, determined nature of his. It drives him to make sure that I have the full story. It's a quality to be admired and treasured as he grows older. It's a quality that I wish were more a part of me at times. And it's a quality that we are called to embody as a community of believers. This same sort of determined nature is present in the early church throughout the book of Acts. And that is where we're going to spend some time today. Our text comes from Acts chapter 5 verses 12 through 42. Leading into this text, we have just witnessed the interaction between Peter and Ananias and Sapphira. In that exchange, we are exposed to the tensions from within the community of believers. But then, in our text for today, Luke offers insight into the issues of conflict from outside of the community. As we can see, the church, in its early days, is subject to great persecution and judgment. The Jewish leaders are filled with jealousy and arrest Peter and the apostles, again, for simply proclaiming the message of Christ. Those in power are losing control as they are seeing the message of Christ impact more lives, and so they respond. They respond in the only way they know how, by attempting to stifle the work that the apostles are doing. This is a recurring theme throughout the book of Acts, but what is also a recurring theme And the subject of my talk today is how the apostles react to this. Yes, there is judgment and persecution. But even amidst the greatest of trials, there emerges a clear example of what it looks like to proclaim the message of Christ, no matter what. Our first hint at what this might look like comes in verse 19. It reads, But during the night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. In this moment, we see that the Lord is present, and God steadies us through that presence. It's easy to lose sight of God's presence when the days get hard, when everything seems to not go your way, when one more thing seems to knock you down. However, in this passage, we see that even in the midst of attack, God is present. In every moment, God is present. God does not abandon the apostles, and God will not abandon you. The angel of the Lord opens the prison doors and commands the apostles to continue teaching the full message of Christ, and they do. Through this moment, we can clearly see the presence of the Lord protecting and affirming the work of the apostles, declaring the importance of it. They can enter back into their preaching and teaching because God is undoubtedly there. And if we push aside all of the attacks of Satan and reflect on our own lives, we will see the presence of God protecting and affirming us too. And that is empowering because it allows us to lean into the will of God. The ever-presence of God is a constant, and that constant gives us the courage to carry out God's will in our own lives and in walking alongside the lives of others, no matter what. Next, we see through the text that there is a purposefulness that exists in all of who God is. There is an intentionality behind all that God does and all that God asks us to do. In verse 20, the apostles are told to go stand in the temple and tell the people the whole message about this life. And the apostles do this without question. There is a directive here that cannot be ignored because they know They have experienced the fullness of the message. Verses 29 through 32 read, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior, that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. In this section of text, we bear witness to the fullness of their knowledge through the God-honoring statements made by the apostles to the Sanhedrin. Those statements proclaim the sovereignty and intentionality of the Lord, who God was, is, and is to come. The apostles clearly realize God's purpose for their lives, and we, too, can see this purpose. We can look at their example and know that we are called to something that is bigger than simply existing in relationship with God. We are called to daily display the fullness of the salvation message of Christ, even amidst the greatest of trials. But I wonder, how often do we ignore or question the path that God has laid out for us? How often do we try to make God's will align with our own? How often does the road seem too difficult to travel and we allow excuses to direct us? In this passage, we are clearly shown that a difficult path does not preclude us from who we are called to be. The apostles are arrested and then go right back to their purpose. The apostles will be later beaten and will go right back to their purpose. We can look at their example and use that as guidance in our own lives. We must lean into the purposeful nature of God and allow that same deliberateness to guide us as well, no matter what. Third, we discern the ever-present power of God. We see it before this interaction ever takes place. We will see it throughout the book of Acts, and we see it here in this text. The apostles know of the power of God. They have experienced it firsthand. They have been living out that power through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And it is their certainty of the power of God that brings about reassurance to continue on this path, even through all forms of persecution. It is their support and lifeline. However, what is significant to me in this passage is Gamaliel's introduction into this story— Gamaliel is one of the greatest teachers of his era and a Pharisee, and his wisdom is welcomed by the Sanhedrin. In the midst of his own counsel, Gamaliel offers an admission of the power of God. He first tells of two men who each led revolts that failed, but then he speaks of the work of Peter. In doing so, he cautions the council to be mindful of the power of God In verses 38 and 39, Gamaliel says, So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone, because if this plan or this undertaking is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. In that case, you may even be found fighting against God. Fighting against God Gamaliel seemed to believe that the power at work was that of the one true God, that it was not the work of men. And this is important. The Sanhedrin has already been fighting against God. Gamaliel is cautioning them against this because he believes this to be the work of the Lord. In our own lives, we demonstrate our faith in the power of God through our physical actions, much like the apostles do. They are secure in the power of God and continue to teach and preach despite the attack on both them and the message. However, other times our conviction in the power of who God is and how God works looks more like the example of Gamaliel, a more subdued moment where the speaking of wisdom and counsel regarding the almighty nature of God is how God's power needs to be experienced despite our needs in those moments what we can be assured of is that there is a confidence and a peace that exists in knowing the power of lord god it is a power large enough to overcome fear it is a power that encourages boldness and it is a power that is ever present and there to strengthen us as we try to be who god calls us to be no matter what and so what does all of this mean what does the presence purposefulness, and power of God lead us to determine, what is this text telling us? That answer can be found in verse 42, the final statement of the passage, the final directive offered in this particular exchange, where the merging of God's presence, purposefulness, and power clearly affirms perseverance, affirms an unyielding nature by which we are called to lean into proclaiming the message of Christ. Verse 42 states, And every day in the temple and at home, they did not cease to teach and proclaim Jesus as Messiah. Let's unpack this verse briefly. Every day, not just some of the time, not just when they feel like it, in the temple, the very center of Jewish faith, an important part of their lives formally, and at home, the heart of their informal lives, Teaching and proclaiming, spreading the fullness of the message of Christ, they did not cease. Nothing stopped them. They are a no-matter-what kind of group. So I ask again, what does this mean for us? What does this sort of perseverance look like? First of all, it means we find confidence in knowing that the presence of God is constant and unwavering. And we recognize the courage that arises from this certainty. And we also allow space for that courage to impact our actions. We don't shrink back. We persevere. Secondly, in acknowledging the purposeful nature of God, we seek to emulate that same intentionality in all we do. We pursue the kingdom in a way that represents God's will and not our own. And we do not allow the obstacles that will be placed in front of us to move us off of God's purpose in our lives. We persevere. And lastly, we trust in the power of God. We find peace in that power, comfort, strength, guidance, and boldness. Because the power of God is unmatchable and it can overcome all. And through this power, we can fully realize what it means to be who God calls us to be. We persevere. And we do it all in the name of the Lord, as the apostles did, to proclaim the fullness of the message of Christ, no matter what.
0: Hello, Jennifer Schroeder, and welcome to the Preacher Podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you for your sermon. Um, Will you start off by
1: telling us a little bit about where you are and what you are up to these days? So I am at North Atlanta Church of Christ. I am the children's minister here, um, but I have been in the world of ministry now full time for uh, just over 15 years and have been a children's minister. Um, My husband and I um, moved here about four and a half years ago with our four kids and uh, love the work we're getting to do here. Is he on staff as well? He is not no, he is a stay at home dad. So he gets to yeah, he gets to really enjoy that role of um of being that primary caregiver and uh, so it makes it really unique for both them and for our family as a whole to explore what that looks like.
0: Totally. I don't, I don't know if you knew this, but when we moved up here um, to Portland five years ago, it was for me to work for a church full-time, and my husband was the full-time stay-at-home dad with our four kids.
1: Oh, no. I didn't realize yeah. that. That's yeah. interesting. And we have the same name. How about that? <laughs> Too awesome. <laughs> well, um, you know, part of this, I think part of this journey starts back to when I first, I, I still remember graduating from high school. And in all of that saying to my parents, well, I want to go into ministry and their response being, well, what does that look like? Because that was a time when women didn't go into ministry. Um, you know, it, 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 there was no real frame of reference Mm -hmm. that they felt like they could understand what that looked like. So I just started going to school, um, and getting, uh, degrees just to go to school and get degrees because what I wanted to get a (laughs) degree in, um, wasn't really, um, accessible. So I um, went to school and I got a bachelor's, a master's, and a doctorate in music. Um, I was a classically trained musician. And um, then from there, when I came home to write my dissertation, came back to Texas to write my dissertation, I was uh, in school in Michigan. I began working um, with some children's ministers at the congregation I was attending. Uh, We had two full-time children's ministers there. And it was kind of that moment that I, it was that aha moment, the this is what this can look like you know wow. um this is um this this opportunity to walk alongside children and to walk alongside their families um and and minister with them was kind of this eye-opening moment of that's what i've been searching for you know i never could actually i could never actually verbalize it in a way that was really i think understandable um, to those around me who maybe had not seen it. And and so when I was finally able to be a part of something like that and recognize um, just the inherent spiritual value that a child brings into this bigger message of God's kingdom, um, I knew that's that's the direction I wanted to head. So I began working part-time with them, um, kind of in an intern capacity. From there, moved into full-time ministry. Um, and then went back to school and got a family studies degree, a master's in family studies, so that I felt like I had that component um, mm-hmm. a little a little uh, fuller in um, in understanding. Um, and, and then just over the last few years, have wanted to make sure I am doing the best possible job I can of equipping our kids, and our families for what the fullness of God God's kingdom looks like. That's awesome. Well, it's fun. You know, I've, I've gotten to teach, um, the last two Januaries, I've gotten to teach a short course out at ACU um, in children's and family ministry. And it's it's really life-giving to be able to not just do this with the families and the church here, but to then talk with students about this and brainstorm what it could look like and not be limited by what I currently see in action, but take um, their suggestions and thoughts and ideas and, and experiences and create a broader a broader understanding of what ministry can look like. Yeah. Okay. So I want to ask you about the
0: sermon. Um, and first, I'll just say you got a lot of alliteration going on there with the P's.
1: <laughs> I heard
0: like purpose and power and presence and so we can persevere and persist and um, and it makes it so memorable. Um, So I I love the points that you make. um, But what I want to ask you about is just about how this process was for you and in particular how the process was like the last few days after you hit send and sent me your sermon. Um, Tell us about that.
1: Well, it really was, um, it was unlike anything I have ever experienced, (laughs) for lack of a better way to say it. I have been blessed to get to present and speak to uh, various crowds um, over the years of serving in ministry, but this was actually the first official sermon I have ever done. Um, I did sermons for my preaching class, um, but this was the first kind of sermon. And that in and of itself really stirred up some feelings in me. that <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize this is the first time. Yes. Yes. And so Great. it really, I mean, it, it was a lot to process through. So before I even started, you know, I was, I was blessed to get to be a part of this process. Um, and, and so I don't want anything I'm about to say to negate that because I feel like, um, it was unmatchable and having this opportunity because, again, I've, I've grown up in a time where women haven't typically been given this opportunity, um, and so there was a lot to unpack with that mentally. But I approached it with a great deal of prayer and a great deal of thoughtfulness um, because I think there is, regardless of whether or not this is my background, I think there's a lot of value in. Um, in the various perspectives that can approach text. And whether that's me or somebody else, um, I think there's a great deal of perspective there that we've got to be able to make space for. So I worked through this sermon and I worked through the text um, and I spent time praying over it. And I had gotten it actually to the point that I felt really, pretty good about it. And and yes, there is a good deal of alliteration. That's the children's minister in me trying to make everything (laughs) sound catchy. (laughs) But I had gotten to the point that I actually felt good about it. And then I sat down and I recorded it and I walked away from it just with um, almost a sense of failure. And and that feels kind of like a strong word, but it's not an over-exaggeration um i walked away from it feeling like a failure and um and i spent some time praying about that and then um the next day i woke up and i and and i think this the spirit heard where my heartache was in all of this and through the mm-hmm. night had worked had worked in me to to get to the point where i could kind of revisit all that I had said and all that I had done and the heart um, that went into preparing this lesson and what, what I came out of it thinking about and realizing was I had the moment I had finished, I had hit stop, you know, I had finished recording. The moment I had finished that, I had immediately begun comparing myself to every single male standard of preaching that we in our faith tradition um hear on a regular basis and i am very blessed to hear some amazing um amazing preachers amazing ministers um to get to experience um how god speaks through them in their words But what I had done was I had decided to myself, as a female, hold myself up to this male standard and say, Well, I didn't make this point the way it should have been made. And and perhaps I should have spent more time from a textual standpoint on this perspective and, and perhaps this and perhaps that. And I started listing all of these what ifs rather than saying, Hey, wait, stop. There's value in who God created me to be, and there's value in. Um, the message that God spoke through me in these words and to immediately negate them simply because they don't meet up to a standard that my mind has put in place as, you know, the standard um, isn't fair to someone who may need to hear the words in the way that I spoke them, in the way that God spoke them through me. Absolutely, um, And I think that's something, Thing that we struggle with as females in a more um, androcentric occupation, I guess, yes. for lack of a better way of saying it, mm-hmm. it's really easy to um, ascribe all of these qualifiers to the work we do rather than acknowledge the value that we bring to the table simply because we are created in the image of God.
0: Yes, absolutely, and because the spirit has been poured on a, poured out on everybody you included and it's god's spirit at work in you
1: that you opened up and revealed to us exactly exactly and so it was really it was really difficult and um and um i as as you know but your listeners do not i had sent you a quick email after i submitted it saying oh my goodness this is awful <laughs> and then the next morning said Okay, here's how I'm feeling. And, you know, I think it's important that we acknowledge the work of the spirit within each and every one of us and yes. don't devalue that work simply because it feels new or it feels different or it's what we're not necessarily used to.
0: Yes, yes. Well, I, I, it doesn't escape my notice that your sermon is, you know, about God being ever present with us, about God's power working in us, and about God having a purpose, um, and about our, our commitment. To all of that, our commitment to keeping in step with God's purpose and being comforted and filled with God's power, finding a sense of peace in all that, um, and and staying the course no matter what. And then here you here you were doing those very things and felt such strong opposition, such resistance to that. I don't think any of that is a coincidence. I really do think um, as you are stepping more fully into what God is calling you to do there is um, there is a strong resistance that you are met with
1: right, right, and i think I think this sermon was probably not probably it definitely was just as much for me as I think it was for others mm-hmm. um, I think it it may have even touched me more than you know my hope and my prayer is that it's able to touch others um, This can be a difficult journey as as we're finding space for all different voices to be heard, whether that's male or female, um, whether that's marginalized or not, as we're making space for all different voices to be heard, we have to take note of the resistance that our examples in the Bible show us and how they continued through that resistance and did not Mm -hmm. allow that to, to stop them, to hinder them. There's a word that's in, and I really wish I could come, come to it right at this moment. I can't. But as I read through this text in, a, in, a, in um, some of the different versions of the Bible, um, the word, word boldness jumps out to me at one point. And, and that's what I think we're called to. We are called to persevere through this level of boldness um, that we see time and time again through the early church um, and that we hopefully will use as an example to help others as they persevere as well.
0: Yes, absolutely. I I was just going to affirm what you were saying as well about um, the sermon, you know, feeling, I, I feel every, every sermon I have preached. I have felt like it was more for me than anyone else who might hear it. And I think there's this interesting thing that happens so often too, as soon as the sermon is performed, um, right after that, there is this huge sense of um, doubt or shame or guilt or like I don't know, there's like an acknowledgement, maybe this is just me, but like, oh man, like how I'm not living up to this, um, or who am I to speak this? And I think that's all, you know, kind of these, um, forces of evil that are at work in the world. Oh, I agree completely. So I honor you for staying the course and for, um, and for, you know, allowing, um, allowing this sermon to be put out there and for, for, you know, sitting down with me to talk about it um, some more and for really sharing openly about the process and, and about um, how everything unfolded after, after the sermon. So thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you. And thank you for, um, for making this space for all of these voices to be heard, to be present um, for all of these different life experiences and perspectives to be able to speak into the Word of God in a way that honors who, who they were created to be. Um, it has been, I have truly enjoyed getting to listen to each and every one of your podcasts, um, each and every one of the sermons you have either personally placed out there or had another person uh, speak into because um, there is such tremendous value in each of these lessons.
0: Well, thank you so much. It really is, I mean, it's a gift. It is a joy um, to me to be able to do this, um, to participate in such good work. And um, I really do feel like it is, I mean, it was just a crazy idea um, a while back. And um, God is really showing up um, and showing what a desire there is for this. Um, And I
1: really think it could help change the future of our churches. Amen. And sometimes the craziest ideas are the best ones. So thank you for (laughs) leaning into that.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you. And um, I know we're out of time, but I just want to um, pray blessings over you that it will, that God will continue to open doors um, for you to teach and mentor and lead others um, in, in children's and family ministry and wherever else your path may lead.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that greatly.
0: You bet. We'll talk again soon. If today you find yourself on the outside, without a seat at the table or a voice in the conversation, may you lean into the truth that you're always welcome in God's community. If you are one who wears the name minister, pastor, elder, shepherd, or are otherwise known as a faith leader, may you extend God's yes to those you might have said no to in the past. May you be emboldened and encouraged to honor the space that God has already created for all. Let's build bigger tables together. If something in you was stirred today, reach out. Hearing from you really does help to shape the future of this podcast. You'll have the greatest impact and opportunities for engagement by joining our Patreon community by clicking that Become a Patron button on our page, patreon.com slash Jen Hale And I would love for you to connect with me on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook at Jen Hale Christie. Lastly, you would really help others to connect with this work if you would subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you next time.